Well, first of all, a very happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are here. You have an incredible job, man. An incredible job. St. John Paul II said that fathers have one job. Just one. And that is to live the very fatherhood of God. Good luck. That is about the hardest definition I could imagine. To live the very fatherhood of God. Especially at a time when so many think masculinity is measured by status or wealth or titles, size of your pickup, size of your house, whatever. Both the scriptures, the church, and Christ himself remind us that a truly great man is measured by the extent to which his children and grandchildren better know and understand who God is and how God lives. And on top of that, it's Trinity Sunday, the Sunday in which we learn who God is and how we can model his fatherhood in our lives. A priest friend of mine told me a story about his dad. At his dad's funeral, his dad and mom had been married 66 years, happily. And just before they closed the casket, his wife looked at her deceased husband and said these words, Honey, thank you for always being there for me and loving me to the end. Because of you, I know who God is. Who doesn't want that? <clears throat> who does not want that in their spousal relationship? Because of you, I know who God is. And what she meant by that was she had experienced through her husband the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. But the problem is in the day and our day and age that we live in is there isn't a lot of focus on God. He's not the priority. He's kind of something that's on the side. <clears throat> this same man, my buddy's friend who is a, uh, a priest, his dad was the CEO for Chrysler in the 70s. And he had to go to D.C. for six straight weeks to meet with the Carter administration to secure a loan, a bailout. Sound familiar? <laughs> They've been in trouble since the 70s. <clears throat> a bailout so that he could save the jobs of his 250,000 employees. Every night he could have stayed in a hotel or he could have gotten an apartment, but every night he flew home so he could be with his kids and his wife, sometimes for one hour. And then he would get up super early, get the red-eye flight, and get back to D.C. And during these meetings, he sat down with a high-ranking representative of the Carter administration who said, here's the deal, you're not going to get the loan unless the administration at Chrysler changes. And my buddy's dad said, wait, 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 let me get this straight. Are you telling me if I resign, we will get the loan? And the man sheepishly bowed his head and said, I'm afraid so. And he said, then there's no question. I resign right now. No severance package. No going away party. And I doubt that most of those 250,000 employees even knew that the reason that they kept their job was because he gave up his. That's a man. That's real masculinity, laying down your life for the one that you care about. And finally, this same man would go to daily mass, 
and would kneel down at the bedside of his kids and pray every night with them. That's Christian fatherhood. That is what John Paul II is talking about. Because he was living the fatherhood of God. The Trinitarian life. Sometimes you know that the feast of the Most Holy Trinity is called the preacher's nightmare. Mainly because we know very little about the Trinity. I mean, essentially, I'd probably get up today and say, Hey, everybody, it's Trinity Sunday. Three persons, one God. Have a great week. Because that's all we got. That's literally all we got. And we have one more thing. We have Christ himself, who has literally revealed Trinitarian life to us and made us, if we so choose it, partakers. We can actually live the life of God, which is what this man did. St. Paul said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of mankind what God has prepared for those who love him. The Catechism says the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery to the Christian faith. It is the mystery of God in himself. It is therefore the source of all other mysteries of faith, the light that enlightens them. So if I were to ask you, how important is the Trinity, how would you answer me? You can shout it out. How important is the Trinity? It's, it's the most important. Why? Because if we don't get this right, we don't get life right. Your image of God, how you see God is how you will live your life. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple examples. In Islam, God is master. Humans are slaves. Now look at their, vi- their vision of marriage. The man is in charge, the master. The woman is beneath him. In Muslim culture, the woman is to walk 20 feet behind the man. That's because it's their image of God. Now look at Christianity. What do we believe God is? Three persons subsisting in love in a co-equal relationship. Look at our image of marriage. Husband and wife, equal. Subsisting in love. That's how we view it. Somebody that doesn't believe in God at all. What is their image of marriage? Me. I'm most important. Because they are their own God. We have to get this right. And it is no secret right now that this world that we're living in, nobody's thriving. Very few are thriving. Most people are surviving. And it's because we have missed the central mystery of who we are as humans. And if you have the wrong vision, not only will you have a lacking of joy, you best have disordered joy, but you will constantly be wanting more. Let me give you an example of this. I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. Huge fan. I've been waiting my whole life for them to win a Stanley Cup. And it was a Cinderella story. Last in the league in January to cup champions. And I'm telling you, I had my jersey on and I was screaming. And this is what's really incredible. Like, I was so shocked when they won because I'm also a Vikings fan. So, so, So I've never won anything. Like, 
I was ready to be let down, you know? Like, that tells you where my heart was. And when they won, I was like, yeah! And I'm high-fiving my buddies, and I'm excited, screaming. And then the next morning I woke up, and I was like, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like, we won, I guess. I mean, that was fun. It's great. They're doing a parade in St. Louis. But it was just, there was something lacking there. We get so fired up. We give ourselves so much to the wrong stuff. Sports. Think about how much time and money you spend on sports. Either professional or your kids. And what do sports do for the salvation of the human race? I can tell you. I played them. By the way, I'm a sports fan. I like sports. They're good. We just give way too much to them. I played sports all the way through college. I got bad ankles, bad knees, and I'm way more arrogant than I ever should have been. And you know why? Because I was really, really good. See, I told you. Michelangelo, the great Renaissance sculptor and artist, once said, the greatest danger for most humans is not that our aim is too high and we miss the mark. It's that our aim is too low and we reach it. That's why we're missing the greatness of human nature in our society. We're aiming so dang low. The saints aimed at heaven and they changed the world. We aim at shopping and Golfing and hunting, working. What we want, what we are made for, is love. We don't need things to be happy. What we need is relationships in love. You can have all the things you want. If you don't have anybody to share them with, who cares? I am convinced that's why Hollywood people are the most depressed people in the world. They have all the money, all the toys, everything the world can offer, and nobody to share it with. And the people they do share it with are just there because they have money. We're missing the point. St. Augustine said, our hearts are made for you, O God, and they are restless until they rest in you. And so we need a vision, and today we're given it. Three persons subsisting in a communion of love. And you guys, God is not just a loving being. And the Trinity is not just sitting around and like, hey, you're great. No, you're great. Hey, you're great. No, you're great. God is love, John tells us. That means God is not a loving being. He is love itself. He is the essence of love. So when you feel love for your child, your grandchild, your spouse, that is a glimmer of the life and love that is to come. And that's what we want. But how much time do we give to it? How much do we pour ourselves into it? When I was in, uh, at the high school, we had this kid, he was a really good basketball player, and I said to him, I said, do you think you're a really good basketball player? And he's like, yeah. But I mean, I still need a lot of work. And, and I was like, well, do you think I'm a really good basketball player? And he's like, no, you're horrible. And I'm like, but I really believe and think that I'm a really good basketball player. He's like, I don't care. You're awful. And plus, when you come down, 
to the gym and play with us, you always cheat. And I'm like, but that's the way I want to play. And he's like, Father, you should know this. If you want to be good at anything, if you want to be great at something, you got to work your tail off. You got to give yourself fully to it. And you got to play by the rules. And I turned to the class and I said, why should it be any different for human nature? You got to work your tail off. You got to make it the center of your life. And you got to play by the rules. God's given us the rules. And they're not bad. They're not there to ruin your life. They're there to save your life. There is a vision for what it means to be a good basketball player. There is a vision for what it means to be a good piano player. There is a vision for what it means to be a good father. And there is a vision for what it means to be a saint. And it is given to us today. You don't need stuff, the materialism of the world. What you need, what I need, is relationships in love with each other and with our God. I had a parishioner when I was out at Minokin and he was a big rancher. I love this guy. He's total hillbilly too. He would come to mass with his cowboy hat and a flannel cut off at the sleeves. Big dude, strong dude. He got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at 52, I think. And he was given two months to live. And I said to him, two, a week before he was going to die, I said to him, I said, Jim, what have you learned through all this? And he said two things, Father. Number one, I don't control anything. I used to think I was in control of a lot of things. I don't control anything. And I wish I would have known that a lot sooner. And second, I would have taken half, I would have worked half as hard as I did in my life at my job, and I would have spent that time with my God and with my family. He got it. It cost him his life, but he got it. So the question on this Trinity Sunday is, are we going to play it safe? Just be like the rest of the world? Or are we going to actually go all in? Live reckless lives of love for our families, for our friends, for those that we don't even know. That's God's vision for humanity. To pour yourself yourself out in love until it hurts. To give until you can't give anymore. Live that way and you will be living in the image and likeness of the God who made you. You want an image for life? You want the vision of God? It's the crucified Christ. To the point that we can form our lives to that is to the point that we will have joy in our lives and we will bring joy to others.